Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Liz stood in the Santa Fe jail hallway, bouncing a red-faced Emma. What happened? Andy panted. Andy, Liz glared. I told you to stay home. And what in heaven's name did you do to your hair? Here, give me Emma. Andy took the wriggling toddler. The baby left a patch of sweat on Liz's shirt. How did they find him? How did they know? Liz pulled her daughter into a corner. How do you think? Someone turned him in with a stack of evidence. Clippings from Canada, one of his fake driver's licenses. Rodriguez? Liz stared, unblinking. No, Andy. She folded her arms. It was Gretchen Neves. Andy stopped bouncing Emma. What? But I... I didn't tell her it was him. I said I was talking about a friend. How did she... You just couldn't stay out of it, could you? Liz jabbed two fingers at the wall like she wished it was Andy's throat. You think you know everything about everything. But you don't, Andy. You're only 16. You have no clue how the world really works and who you should trust. Liz's neck turned the color of watermelon. Now give me Emma and go home and stay there. Did he get a lawyer yet? Andy had to ask. Liz took back Emma. I don't want to hear you speak another word to me until I tell you to. Understand? Andy turned to go. And where's your paycheck, young lady, and the hospital money? I don't have it. Well, you better get it before the water is turned off and we can't even make ice for Emma. Plus, we'll probably have legal fees to worry about now. Andy turned and pushed open the door. Oh, and wash that makeup off your face, Liz called behind her. You look like a deranged hooker. Instead of going home to the choking stillness, Andy rode her Schwinn deeper into town. Music wafted from the plaza, pulling her to it like a Pied Piper. It was Saturday, and the plaza was in full bloom. Dreamcatchers, watercolor paintings, and funnel fries were being purchased by happy, fully documented American families. Mariachis were playing. Girls in circle skirts danced. There was an obvious absence of local produce, and several booths were empty or filled with new vendors due to the fungus. One of the new booths wore a sign that said, Petition Against Immigrant Registration. Sign here. The K&H blanket sat at the far end of the palace of the governor's porch, a neat square of yellow wool covered in turquoise jewelry. Andy turned the other way. She didn't have the energy for spinning. At the far corner of the plaza was a new booth. Intricate lacy patterns in black and brown hung beneath a sign reading, Henna Tattoos for Prosperity, Love, and Luck. Two dollars. 
Andy rummaged two dollars in change from the bottom of her pocket and plopped onto the mint green velvet stool. A woman in a sky-blue sari asked, So, which symbol would you like in your tattoo? Prosperity, love, or luck? Andy stretched out her arm and said, I need all three. Four point three. Entrapment. Rand sat at the edge of the tufted office couch, wiping the sweat from his brow with a car chamois. Chen pulled a black drawer from the safe, laid it on the table, and picked up a flat object wrapped in buckskin. This is what you'll need to use. He unwrapped the skin, revealing a long, black obsidian knife. It's big enough that you'll only need one strike. Should go all the way through. Rand took it by the hilt and turned it back and forth in the light. The blade looked like black glass. I'd only need one anyway. You forget. This ain't my first rodeo. No, Rand, I haven't forgotten. But you've never done this before. There's a process that has to be followed to the letter or the deal is off. Understand? Rand nodded. Okay, so take me through it. What's first? First is the lock of hair. Cut it with the scissors, not the knife. Easier that way. No. He held up his hand. Start at the very beginning. When do I do this? Chen folded his arms. I've been thinking about it, and I think the end of both your shifts would be best when you're on your way out. I'll signal you on your walkie when she's getting ready to leave. And where? In the mudroom near service entrance, too. Cleanup will be easier there. Evidence contained. I'll watch for her on the cameras and then lock the doors with my phone once she's in the room. She won't be able to run that way. Rand looked down at the knife. Cage her up like a rat. He touched the blade. And when it's done, what do you do with the body? Incinerator, Chen said. It's designed to accommodate just this kind of cleanup. You gonna throw her down the garbage chute? He shook his head. Man, how do you do this for a living? We all do what we have to do for the people we love, Rand. Even you, said Chen, and picked up a small plastic case. Now, this is the hair case. 4.4. 4. Visitation. When Andy finally went home, Liz was there, running a bath for Emma. Here, I'll do it, Andy said and reached for her baby sister. Emma's eyes were crusty with congestion, and she gargled up a wet cough. Liz handed her over without looking at Andy, and then went to her bedroom to make a phone call. Andy cracked the bathroom door to listen. Yes, yes, Liz said. He has a public defender. Seems pretty young, but we don't really have a choice. 
Andy laid Emma in the water. She whimpered, Want ducky. Andy rested the rubber ducky on Emma's chest and opened the door wider. No, he hasn't spoken with his parents since he left Canada. No, they won't. We can't. No, Liz's voice broke. It's not that easy. He has a record. Oh, it's so stupid. He was with a group of his friends who'd been drinking. One of them had his dad's gun. They stopped at a gas station and Shane went to the cases in the back to get beer when his idiot friend pulled the gun out. On a dare. The clerk lunged for it and it went off. Liz went quiet for a few seconds. It doesn't matter that he had nothing to do with it. He was with them. He's an accessory. Her voice hushed. No. He left the country before they went to trial. The others were convicted. Andy left one hand on Emma and leaned closer to the door. I don't know what I'll do. Liz's voice rose with emotion. We're behind on the rent and there's nothing left in savings. Shane having to stay hidden all these years has made me feel like a single parent anyway, but now I have the added burden of trying to get him out. What? I couldn't ask that. No, no. We'll figure something out, I'm sure. Liz glugged from her orange sippy cup. No, don't do that. Thosozobra feels too pagan for me. Although my Emma's obsessed. She won't stop calling him Zozo, which ironically means fool in French. You could pray for us at Mass, though. Light a candle. That would help. Andy shook her head at her mother's never-ending belief in the superstitious and unseen, then looked back at the tub. Emma was unconscious. No! Andy gasped, then in a single motion yanked her sister from the water, twisted and screamed, Mom! When Liz returned from the all-night clinic, Emma was awake, whimpering and sucking her thumb. Liz's hair was matted to her head, and there was vomit on her shoulder. A Walgreens bag peeked from her purse. What did they say? Andy asked. He said it's probably bronchitis, but the fever coming and going and the weird spots on her neck have them confused. Liz crossed herself. Please, God, make her well. Forgive me for what I've done and make her well. Andy shook her head as she watched her mother talk to someone who wasn't actually there, bouncing Emma to the rhythm of her words. When Emma finally fell asleep, Liz laid her in her daisy-dotted crib. Then she retreated to the kitchen. Andy stood watching Emma's little ribcage rise and fall when she heard the distinctive crackle of a plastic seal breaking from a cough syrup bottle, the pop of a beer can, and her mother's shoes shuffling to the bedroom. Shane was waiting for Andy in a bright white cubicle in the Santa Fe jail. His soul patch was gone, and his wavy ski-bum hair was buzzed short. It looked dark and thick without its sun-bleached tips. If it weren't for the pale eyes, Andy would have a hard time recognizing him in a crowd. 
he smiled wide when he saw his daughter. She slid into the designated chair. Her father sat across from her. The sight of her father dressed in orange made her feel like the world was made of paper and might suddenly tear through. She grabbed the counter to steady herself. Then carefully, tentatively, she picked up the black phone hanging on the cubicle wall. Hey, sunny girl, Shane said into the receiver, trying to get her to smile. Hey, Dad. As she spoke, her voice crackled. His shoulders sank. Your hair's different, he smiled. I dig it. So is yours. She wouldn't smile back. When did you, or did they cut it? He rubbed a hand across his velvety head. My lawyer thought it would be better for the hearing. It's weird. I look like my father now. She'd never met his father. She changed the subject. How are you? How is it in here? Fine, he said cheerfully. I'm fine. Andy took a long breath, then spewed. This is all my fault, Dad. I'm so, so sorry. I swear I didn't mean for this to happen, and I feel so bad. I can't believe. I promise I was just trying to help. No, no. Set that down now, Sonny. It's not yours to carry. She kicked the wall in front of her. What does your lawyer say? When is your hearing? Did the police read you your Miranda rights? Shane squinted. My lawyer, uh, says things are sticky. Can we get you a new lawyer? A better one? Shane went quiet for a few seconds, then touched the glass with his fingertips. Listen, Andy, he said. I want you to help your mother, however you can. With work, the kids, as long as she needs, okay? I'm not going to be there, so they're all going to need you. There's got to be a way to get you out of this mess. She ignored his request. It's so unfair. Unfair, he repeated and looked up at the ceiling. A fresh set of lines cut into his brow, lines that had been hidden beneath his shaggy hair for years. Please don't roll over. Andy's voice strained. She gripped the receiver with both hands. Not this time. There has to be another way. For me, promise you won't give up, Dad. Shane's shoulders, mouth, and hands drooped like her words had pricked his soul, and his life force was seeping out into the room. Oh, Andy, I've been a lousy father to you. What? Don't say that. You've been the best father. No, I haven't. He shook his head. I taught you that owning up is some kind of weakness, some way of rolling over, and it's not. The truth is, no matter how you stack it, I broke the law. Maybe not during the robbery, but nearly every single day, every minute after that, for the better part of my life. 
His voice deepened. It's time I stop hiding. Take responsibility. Andy stayed quiet. She'd never heard her father talk like that before. Shane pressed his fist against the glass. I just wish you kids didn't have to pay for my mistakes. Not fair to you. He gazed at his daughter's worried eyes, then cleared his throat and changed the subject. How's Emma? Um, Andy gathered her wits. We finally got her fever down. Again. Good. That's good. How's your job? I've gotten an earful about your boss in here. Some said the QB for the Packers was in town to meet with him. Yeah, he has some big clients. They call him a psychic because he's so good at picking stocks, movies, trends. But my work is good. Arius, um, Mr. Adams is good. Glad to hear it. Having a boss that looks after you can make all the difference. I hope you have that. I do. Andy rubbed the edge of the black phone. He does. Good, he said. Do what he asks. Be dependable and easy to work with. As a matter of fact, he said I could move into his house, live with the staff. I think I'm going to do it. It will help with bills and stuff. One less mouth to feed. Shane's tired brows bunched together. Not sure that's the best idea right now, Sonny. I was hoping you'd be around to help your mom with the kids while I'm away. She's... She's not in the best shape. The words Shane had never before said aloud felt chalky in his throat. They're gonna need you. Especially Emma. She's gonna need you there to... to balance the odds. Do you understand? Andy's shoulders slumped, and she nodded. But I don't know if I can stay there with her. You can, Sonny. You're tougher than you think. More grown up. Shane gazed at her. You know, you look like a woman with your hair like that. I suppose that's what you're becoming now. I don't know. What does becoming a woman feel like? Well, I'm a man, so... He smiled sideways and shrugged in his boyish way, trying to get a smile from his daughter. She gave him a watered-down version of the one he'd hoped for. But I do know what it feels like to grow up. His voice softened, sweet and bitter mixed up together. You discover a lot, but you have to let go, too. It's the letting go that's the hardest, hurts the most. She touched the glass. I'm not ready to let go, Dad. Not yet. I can't. Her voice caught. Please. Tears ebbed onto her cheeks. She wiped them briskly away. Hey, there's no crying in baseball, he said. No movie lines, okay? She whispered. Not today. All right, Sonny, Shane said and looked at Andy's hand. What's that? He cleared his throat. Pretty. This was the way Shane talked with most people. Like a dance. 
he'd just touch on something that was real and true, and then change the subject. Andy had always loved him enough to understand and dance along. The symbol in the center stands for luck, this is for love, and this is for prosperity. I had it done at the mart. Time's up, the guard said. Andy gripped the phone. No, I don't want to leave you in here alone. Can I bring you anything? Do you have a good pillow? I'm fine, sunny girl. Don't you worry about me. Be happy, okay? His voice was too quiet, like he was fading right in front of her. Make your life happy. She clawed the phone as panic and pain flashed over her face. You'll be home soon, Dad. I know you will. I'll do everything I can. Just please don't give up. I'm sure you're right, Shane said with glazed eyes. An ache like a machete opening his gut pierced him through. He fought it just long enough to get out the words he knew he had to say. You were always so smart. My brilliant, beautiful girl. I'll always love you. Don't forget that. Then he hung up the receiver. The guard cuffed him, turned him around, and marched him through a steel door. Andy clutched the receiver to her chest and flinched when the door slammed shut. <laughs>